Hello, and welcome to the Marotska Method podcast. I am your host, Adrienne Jezik. Here we get to talk about our personal growth and the ways we can express our vulnerability through authenticity. I create a space for my guests to share their experiences with deliberate cold exposure, and we talk about changing our health and our lives to focus on wellness. I share my journey and yours, focusing on mental, emotional, and physical health. Together, we face the challenges of growth through discomfort. Join us as we biohack our way towards a better life. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Welcome to the Morotsko Method. I am your host, Adrienne Jezik. Today, I have a special guest with me. I say that about everybody. They're all special guests. I love it that people are excited to talk about their journeys and sit down with me and have a conversation that lasts about an hour. It gets me super jazzed. The reason I think this is such a special guest, uh, this is Kristen. Kristen, will you pronounce your last name for me? I don't want to butcher it. Totally. Kristen Weitzel. And I met Kristen on Instagram, which is where I meet a lot of my tribe. And I have been on Kristen's podcast, the Well Power podcast. You guys have heard me talk about that before. And it's a super awesome podcast about all of the things wellness. And that's another reason I'm jazzed to share Kristen and her journey with you today. Kristen, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. happy to be here. Yay. I know. I'm happy to see you in person. <laughs> it feels really good. Yeah. And what have you been up to? Let's dive right in. I mean, I've been up to so much. I've been um, in the midst of well, you know, releasing some, some editing some episodes for release and, and working on a women's group, group program. Because, mm-hmm. as you know, I work with predominantly females. And uh, we just wrapped that up a couple of days ago. It was sort of a, a big challenge for 30 days. And it went well. And, uh, you know, the election and everything kind of fell in the midst of it all. So people really needed some de-stressing. Mm-hmm. Nice distraction when yeah. you're focused on a wellness challenge. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about you. How did you get to be where you are today? I I had an interesting journey because the first 15 years or so of my career, just my official career, right, was in the sort of marketing consumer packaged goods industry, which has really nothing to do with what I do now. I mean, I guess marketing is important, right, in some ways, getting your message out there. But I started, I've always been a fan of fitness. I grew up as a dancer. I was always into yoga and sort of figuring out how your body moves in space and that just led me to always have a fitness practice a weight training practice a yoga practice like all the different things I could explore in order to make myself feel better um the other piece is food like food I don't think it was like I was a weird food kid but I got to my late teenage years and started like juicing and checking out vegetarianism and food combining and just whatever I could figure out that would like maybe make me feel different and that was sort of an interesting piece of my younger years but then I jumped into corporate America and as I think many people do you have this big crazy corporate job and you need to mitigate some of the like stress the craziness the schedule and for me specifically I spent a good number like probably five of those years basically like living on an airplane, just traveling all over the country and setting up new markets. I've worked a lot in the liquor industry, so lots of fun. But that also takes a toll on your health. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just being on the plane and it seems like I never really, 
you don't even believe it, but you have mornings you wake up and you're like, I know I'm in a hotel and you, and I would not look around too much. And I would think, where am I really like, where am I right now? And there's just some days you kind of wake out of a deep slumber and you're like, I'm not quite sure. And so you sort of get up, look around, remind yourself. And so that feels like it's pretty like taxing, like more than you, more than you imagine, I guess, until you really do it. But I enjoyed a lot of that travel and I saw a lot of amazing places around the world. That was, you know, sort of an experience I will never, ever, ever want to change. But my body, it took a toll on my body for sure. And really just trying to stay healthy on the road and figure that out in super positive ways and ways that I failed miserably. I mean, I also think about, I worked in the liquor industry, right? So like you're going to a new market, you set up a whole thing and then there's like a dinner, a party and free free flowing cocktails. And there's a little bit of an expectation that you're going to be drinking. And so that, you know, that's like a challenge of that industry for sure. Yeah. Because if you don't like your product, why would we like your product? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm discovering this now as I'm traveling more and more for work. And and now sometimes I'm gone two weeks out of the month or two weekends out of the month. And the biggest challenge for me is eating well on the road. And what I find is there's a perfect food for eating well on the road. Eggs. Yeah. You cannot go wrong with eggs. You can get them everywhere. But I'm allergic. Oh. So I can't eat eggs. So on the road, it's like steak and vegetables, steak and vegetables, steak and vegetables with the occasional burger and fries. Cause you know, you need, need to give that energy. Gotta have balance. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but that, that would be challenging. That would Super be super hard. And a lot of the markets I was in, like, you know, I, I'm not 12 anymore. I'm, you know, sprightly, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, 18, 20 years old anymore. I'm not, when I first kicked off my career, I was probably 22 in that industry. And so I was traveling to lots of places and I just say it was long enough ago that it was, it wasn't easy to find gluten-free vegetarian. Now I eat animal meat and animal protein. It's fine. But just even when I was back then, it was like difficult to find a place that was like healthy eating. You could find a sort of nuts and granola type vibe store, but you couldn't really find a place that was like you know, in some of the markets I would go to, it'd be like hard to find a really good mixed green salad or something, you know? And it was, I really sort of did the planning. The best thing I ever did when I was traveling was I did the planning of, I would choose my hotel based on the list the company would give me to go that I could stay at just based on what was close by. That was like, typically I look for like the green juice place because they would have a salad, they would have a green juice, they would have sometimes animal protein, sometimes not, but it was just a way that I could set myself up for success in the very best way possible because on the road it was like you said it's really really challenging airplane food airline food I know it's gotten a little better over the years but just especially back then it was like not it's just not interesting to me and not what I wanted to be fueling myself with and I would learn the hard way from just like having something bad on the road and then feeling like garbage the next day and then trying to work through that yeah and that so. takes a lot of energy sitting there, you know, uh, here's my list of five hotels. Now I'm going to research the restaurants around these five hotels. Now I have to research what's in these restaurants at these five hotels. Like that takes a lot of energy. I'm happy to see, and I think this is only the last five to 10 years. I'm happy to see these places popping up, restaurants, salad and go drive through. I'm not a fan of salad and go drive through, but no, no judgment. It's a salad, you know, get your greens, (laughs) however you got to get your greens. But 
I'm happy to see that now it is taking off that even if you go to a restaurant that may not have had a menu like that 10 years ago, now it's got this alternative menu of let's give you some sweet potatoes and some broccoli and some Brussels sprouts and make it so you can create a a veggie meal and even being a meat eater, not miss that meat, Yeah, which I love. I love a good vegetable heavy meal. Like the more vegetables you can throw on my plate, the happier I am. For sure. Yeah. And then also there was this whole thing of like packing. It gets it's easier now, but like I've tried to pack what I could. That was like bars or, you know, TSA will like not let you drink, bring drinks, but just anything that was like snacks that mm-hmm. were, you know, Kristen approved yeah. at that point. And it's so much better now, which is amazing. And then I would hit some markets where I would like ship a cleanse in to the hotel. Oh, like I'm, yeah. I love a juice cleanse. I don't think people have to do it like insanely. I'm much more about eating real food to mm-hmm. fuel yourself, but for the grab and go though for grab and go and when i was sometimes i would be in a market for three days and i'd be doing a hundred interviews over three days of people staffing people for programs and whatnot and so it was just like it was the easiest way to go to have like a few like beef jerky and like a juice thing and and it was like that's how i did it so i'm glad those days are kind of gone in that way because it was (laughs) a challenge and now it's quite it's a lot easier which is nice but it's worth the planning like this is the one point if your listeners are it's like if you're going to travel overseas anywhere it's worth the planning to take a little time not just to figure out where you're going to sightsee or where you're going to do your business meeting but to be able to say what's the story with food and the place i'm going and how can i feel myself and what can i and even if it's just going to a marketplace like i love i love being able to be like okay if i go to a sprouts i know i can get unsalted almonds Mm -hmm. worst case scenario i can keep a pocket full of unsalted almonds and i'm gonna not die The other thing I like about that is now it's a little more socially accepted, but if I'm really at wit's end, I'll just fast. If I really don't have an option in front of me, that's a good option. And I know what I need to take care of over the next 24, 48 hours. Forget it all fast. Lemon, do some water with some lemon, some Himalayan salt, cup of coffee in the morning. Good to go. Yeah. Figure it out. It's better than having a carb crash. It's better than fueling your body with something just to not feel hunger. You know, hunger isn't something that we need to be afraid of. You know, it's something, it's something that we can sit with and understand. Like our bodies have a lot to process. They can do a lot for us. We can challenge ourselves in ways. And I've given some of my best talks on like hour 64 or like 74 of a fast. And I'm going, wow, I am hyper-focused. I am super alert. You could ask me about quantum physics right now and I'd find a way to figure it out. You know, that's one thing I love about fasting. And I wish... I wish you could do it in shorter periods. Like I wish a 12 hour fast did that for me. Yeah. I wish a 24 hour fast did that for me, but that's not the case. I just me. feel I, ha- I have so much sympathy for you because you can't eat eggs. <laughs> like eggs is my lifeblood. Thank you. Thank you. That did not happen for me until I was about 32 or 33 years old. And then I had this huge amount of regret because when I was a kid, I wouldn't touch them. Unless they were deviled eggs. When I was a kid, I would not touch <laughs> eggs. And then as an adult, I fell in love. And I was like, this is everything eggs you can do so much with an egg you can add it to just about anything and just create this super awesome meal and now we're in a we're in a state where people we're in a state of restaurants where people are like here's your pizza throw an egg on it here's your steak something throw an egg on it here's your this let's throw an egg on. like they're throwing an egg on everything oh, no. <laughs> and i love Poor it thing. and i can't eat them yeah. and so every once in a while maybe about every three or four months i'll take one bite and really savor like that egg taste and feeling in my mouth. And by the time I swallow, I know, yeah, I'm still allergic. Yeah, so <laughs> but wild. hey, 
if I became an aller- allergic as an adult, according to Louise Hay, somehow, some way, I'm going to be able to get rid of this allergy yeah. as an adult. Yeah. So I'm, I'm determined. And I've tried eggs in a different country. It's, it's not the country that I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I put on meal plans for my clients all the time because it's just like on the protein score. There's like 14 different ways you can score protein, but protein absorption. Eggs and red meat, really, they show up as like just some of the best sources of protein. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think I always feel like eggs are a little lighter, kind mm-hmm. of that vibe. Yeah. I just actually got my, I took a mediator release test and I got my scores back and like way I cycle way in and out because sometimes I get a little like leaky gut around it and it's like on there showed up again on it as like take it out of your diet for now four months probably and so I I just switched to um it's like a beef and egg mix for protein powder and so I'm stoked about that because I do like plant protein but it just it you don't absorb it as well and I don't for me it just doesn't feel as good in my belly Mm -hmm. and so I'm just excited to be able to have something that I can substitute in that will still be like a high protein absorption. So what was this test called? A mediator release test. Mediator release test. Yeah, MRT. And what do they like take your blood or do you spit on something? Blood. Uh, it's blood only. Okay. And then, um, you know, with all the things that are going on with quarantine and whatnot, it was like nice. They like suggested a mobile phlebotomist. And this woman, I like posted on social about her. I loved her so much because I hate needles. And mm-hmm. I thought okay, this one's going to come to my house and I'm going to have a moment of being like, oh, just take the blood. And I'm telling you, I didn't feel a thing. And I was like, Kim, Rad. yes, my favorite phlebotomist in the world. And You're like, like, give me your card. I was like, give me your card. <laughs> can I put, and now and it's like, I can send her to any local clients I have, which is great. But so she took just four, about four vials of blood and then they run a whole panel on about a hundred items that gives you your level of sensitivity or allergy to it and I use the word allergy lightly because because we can have an intolerance without we can have it an intolerance being an, an anaphylactic yeah and then after the inflammation like once you get it out of your system long enough your body forgets to respond to it negatively and then you can slowly reintroduce not always but slowly yeah I mean it was some things there's like things that continually show up like cherries show up a lot for me and and like it's interesting too because you don't necessarily feel it. Like you may eat eggs, or like a friend of mine eats cantaloupe, and it like immediately in the mouth is like cantaloupe fuzzy is one and of feels those I'm allergic to. Yeah. yeah, but like yeah, that, but that sometimes test is good. sometimes you don't even know. This is what I discovered through an elimination diet. Which, by the way, if you can get that test instead of an elimination diet, you get a year of your life back. Yeah. First of all, and second of all. There are things that we tend to eat and because we don't ever remove them for that length of time, that three to four month period, we don't know how much energy our body is taking to process. Yeah. Right. And then once you've eliminated it for three or four months and you slowly reintroduced, you know right away, okay, this does not work for me. And it's sometimes I think alarming. I'm allergic to some very strange things, eggs being one of them. I'm learning that that's become a common food allergy, which is really interesting to me. So I may have always had a slight intolerance to it. Mm -hmm. But over time, like it builds up in your system. And then all of a sudden your body's like, I will not like do not do this to me. Other things like the cantaloupe I'm allergic to, but I can eat a few bites before I have any type of reaction. Yeah. And that blows my mind. Yeah. And most of the stuff that shows up on my MRT, I don't quote-unquote feel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that to me 
it's like when the first time I ever did it and I took it out and I was like continued the same sort of fitness regimen and food regimen as just with those foods removed. Mm-hmm. I like lost a little body fat, my muscle mass grew and I, I, I lost 2% body fat for me. It's really hard to lose that cause I'm getting smaller and smaller, but it was like, I'm not saying it came off easily, but sort of like your body just lets go of some things. And so mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to do, but to your point about it can be alarming. It's, clients get the test back and they're like hey somebody yesterday was like peanuts i don't really eat peanuts and then three hours later she was like wait a second peanut butter's out and i was like peanut butter's out because you don't think of it because you just like you start to plug the honestly her results came back in a way that was like not even i've seen so much worse yeah but you know things come up and you're like oh this is a shift but the reality is it's like well it's like how much do you want to be fit and how much can you look at it with like a growth mindset of saying okay well let's explore this. How cool is this adventure of me taking out these foods for four months to and see, let's see how I feel, what happens, see how I feel, see if I can reintroduce some things. And it's, it's like not, not always easy because we're creatures of habit, but it's also, it can be interesting. And if you're just going to feel that much better by the end of it, why not? It's like, go for it. Yeah. You can always go back. Yeah. If you decide it didn't work for you, you can always go back. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned through that process too, is substitutes aren't always the answer. The first thing that I tried to do when I couldn't have anything was like, well, what can I have instead? All right. Mm-hmm. I can't have this. Can I have this instead? I can't have this. I can, can I have this instead? And there's a great benefit to walking away, leaving it on that shelf for three or four months and not revisiting, not trying to find a substitute. Because if you find a substitute, you may also still have a problem with that substitute. Or I think it's kind of like that obsessant obsession switch you know, like, all right, now I don't overeat, but I'm a compulsive shopper, you know, or now yeah. I don't. Well, it's also like bad keto when people are like, I'm gone keto, but I'm and having I 14 three pounds, pounds of bacon, fake, <laughs> or like bacon or erythritol or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all and this that this test, like the last thing I'll say about it is just it's a gut health test. And we all walk around like, well, my gut health is fine. But like, you just don't really know how much protein you're absorbing exactly. And if your gut health is fine without like you can't manage what you don't measure. Right. And so I'm a big proponent of it. Um well, I'm going to, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I'm it's a cool, it's that. a cool test. And then you, like, the results come in and you're like, do I want to open them today before dinner or do I want to <laughs> open them tomorrow? <laughs> but, um, but I've definitely seen improvement. I've also mm-hmm. seen improvement by taking things out, see what still shows up and like nothing red lines for me anymore. Do you see a difference like in your skin or your hair or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, uh, so much, so much of it. Yeah, just it, it, it seemed to make a difference for me when I took out those foods and I kept up my regular fitness regimen and I was still eating healthy. I'm not mm-hmm. ever really eating garbage. So I eat healthy w- what fuels me and a lot of animal protein and a lot of vegetables. You know, there's this I don't always do the keto thing. I'm sort of a paleo. I've been eating paleo for 15 years. So that's the thing that feels the best to me. And um, and I'm like sitting here wearing the continuous glucose monitor. So I've been doing a lot of glucose monitoring lately to see about my metabolic fitness, what sets me off, what times of day I can eat things. Because that's so different for everyone. Totally different. We don't for realize everyone. that. And also timing is a thing, man. It's like I can eat carbs in the afternoon with a protein and I'm fine. If I eat carbs at night, it spikes my glucose like crazy. And then also, you know, it depends on what kind of carbohydrate it is right is it carbs because you just ate a pile of cabbage or is it carbs (laughs) because you just mowed on some fries yeah 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 Yeah, makes a difference so that's that's interesting as well it's like figuring out where your glucose lives and when we when you should be eating for you and just because it works for me doesn't mean it works for you they're general guidelines like I work with some clients that are like I don't want to do labs and so I can work 
within the, the guidelines that make sense for both what I see anecdotally, what the research says, and then just what our bodies are made to be able to do mm-hmm. with with a macronutrient, with a protein, with a, with a carbohydrate, with a fat. But I can't always get it right because uh, there is a little bit of guessing in there if I don't have blood work or I don't have information on the person's physiology. That is fascinating to me. I think I would be the person to rip the, op- the envelope open the minute I got it. Yeah, I would be so fascinated just to know and so curious just to know what can I do differently? And I think part of that is I have a growth mindset. I am, I'm like, what are the ways I can make myself uncomfortable today? Yeah. How can I chase fear today? How can I, how can I challenge myself today? And what I have found with food is food can be magic. Our relationship to food can be magic. We can hold staunchly to these things and these ideas that we've had. Like we can hold staunchly to our peanut butter or our eggs, we can also learn the ways that we can fuel our bodies to feel better than we ever have before. And I am mind blown that I am a little over a month away from turning 40 and I feel better than I have in my entire life. Yeah. And that's part of it. It's what kind of fuel am I giving my body? If I'm gassing this machine up and I want it to run optimally, I want to make sure that there's fuel in the things that I'm gassing it with. Totally. And I talk a lot about lately, I've been talking a lot about the coming off this challenge and having, you know, 40 or 50 women in a group asking a lot of questions always sparks. I just I love it because it sparks like new questions and new things come up and then women are sharing information and they're all following each other on social. And I'm getting it up once a week. We do sort of like an ask me anything Mm -hmm. call. And those calls are great because the people who show up are there. They mean business. They're trying to figure out food and fitness is fuel because it's a. The challenge that I do is like a 30 day thing around biohacking and food. It's it's a little smorgasbord of every a taste of everything that you can do to optimize your wellness. Mm-hmm. And so the questions that come up are always different and women are always trying to dive a little deeper. So I talk about this sort of this pyramid that is like just my my take on how to we manage all of our optimal wellness, which is like. Of course, under the iceberg, you have like sleep, right? Sleep is the thing that's going to get your body doing what it needs to do. But I've been. I think surprised that people I'm like the next thing after sleep is like we're going to talk about food and and mostly people are like okay I get it maybe they don't get that it's that important but food comes next how you feel yourself and what does it feel like to take a pause on things that you're just grabbing normally and not thinking about and then the next piece of the puzzle for me is like recovery which is like where you come in where Morosco comes in where all the things we do to sort of de-stress and recover the body so we can do you know, what's one or two slats above that on the pyramid, which is like fitness. Like you can't go and just do, doesn't mean I haven't done it. Always trying to push my edges, like, you know, and, and hashtag, you know, fail sometimes because I think I'm, you know, we all have this moment where like, but it doesn't count for me. Like I can do, you know, Olympic lifting six days in a row and not get injured. It's like, that's not true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like not, you know, we don't know where our boundaries are till we cross them. Totally. Right. So like, and I like, Like now I know I can only do five deep deadlift days. Yeah. yeah. And I love a little, like, I just, I had a wipeout at the gym. I I work out at a gym in Venice called Deuce. And I had a little like wipeout moment where I was like, I had a shoulder injury. It was the first time I was like, I'm just going to throw like 10 extra pounds at the end of the set on the end and just see if I can do it. Like mil- nobody will be looking. And I just happened to be like the coach turned off the music, like one of those moments. And I just like pulled the bar. It's like, and I, you know, it happens all the time to people, but it was just like not so much embarrassing as I was like, that was amazing. I f- pulled the bar. I fell on my ass. People happened to be kind of like looking in my direction. I was like, okay, 
Like this is, I never pulled so hard to know where that edge was. And now I can scale to that edge so that it just, not just with the weight, but the way my movement is and all of that. And it's like, we get, uh, I think, you know, we, we, we grow up conditioned to like, be like, oh, but don't fail or the don't, I don't know. And it's like, I love. Don't try too hard in case you fall. I love those things. Mm-hmm. That's like yoga taught me that, like trying to learn how to do a handstand. Mm-hmm. Most of my teachers, instructors, coaches w- have always been like, look, you're just going to go into the middle of the room, do this handstand work, and you're going to fall a hundred times till you're sick and tired of falling and you figure it out biomechanically. And it's like, there's not, there are other, there are ways to, you know, help Build yourself along, mm-hmm. but you have to do some falling in order to sort of nail what you're really trying to get to. Right. And so I love that. And I think, you know, those times are sort of, those times are fun, but the recovery piece is really big in that triangle. Like just to touch on that one more time. And it's people are not recovering themselves from this. I don't have to tell you, I'm like preaching to the choir, but it's like people need to recover themselves enough that they can then go and layer in more stress because we have all these little micro stressors all day long driving us insane. Even if we feel like, oh, it was a perfect day and it was so great. And so I don't need to do that fill up because I feel really great. It's preventative. Yeah. It's preventative when we recover. I love I love that you said that too, that you hit that wipeout because, again, we don't know where the boundary is until we cross it. And if we never push to that point, we may always just be selling ourselves short. Yeah. So we push to the point of failure and then we try, try again until we get it right. Like, it's like... The first time riding a skateboard or the first time riding a bicycle, like you're not going to get it. Per- My brother got it perfect the first time, <laughs> but you're not always going to get it perfect the first time. And so we don't just give up. You don't give up because you wiped out. You don't give up because you fail. You try again. You try harder. You try different. You try to get more just strategic. So you went through the corporate job that led you to understanding how much your body needed wellness. Yeah. And you made a transition. And then I made a transition. I did a very bad job of telling you my origin story because I'm normally okay. on the we other side of the back. mic. <laughs> we can always circle <laughs> oh, but back. I'm like, my, I have an origin story, I guess. But it's like, yeah, the corporate job. I lo- look, I loved it too. Like it was so fun. I got to travel all over the world. And like, like I worked with Moet Hennessy for a while. I got to like drink Don Perignon in France. Like I just, I amazing. But mm-hmm. also I started getting a little older and realizing like, what is the legacy I want to leave? And while these spirits are beautifully made and there's so many, there's such a rich history, I sort of wanted to leave a legacy. And my friends kind of knew before me, like they kept kind, they kept saying to me like, well, the thing, like, don't you want to do the thing that's like the the health and wellness thing? Like, it seems like you're really all about it. And my colleagues would gather for like five o'clock five o'clock happy hour in the office because when you're a liquor company there's just there's alcohol to be had yeah so five o'clock happy hour would come and I'd be like see you guys later and I'd be going to like dance cardio and the gym and it was just it's not like they they made fun of me but it was almost like a funny joke like they'd be like oh what fitness class are you going to today and I'm proud of that yeah also it was such a big passion in my life that it made the most sense for me to end up here and so that was super helpful I think I think also I had a propensity to try to see if I could transition into working with women because when I started in the corporate arena it was like me and 18 men in a region in the beer industry and I really really had to learn the hard way how sort of not to communicate like a woman it's not like I couldn't stand in my own power but I was like young and it was all men and their communication style was totally different and and mostly I was reporting into them all like or I was reporting into the two top tier dudes right and it was like okay how do I shift my communication style how do I understand that they can be like direct or mad and direct about something and then later in my career I had moments where I would be giving reviews to women that worked for me and 
they would be like, hey, great. Okay. I have one question for you. Like, do you like me? Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've become a little bit too rigid, too direct too, because like that was my early experience. And so I had this beautiful opportunity to try to learn how to ride the arc and become a person who could translate sort of like the direct, let's just call it masculine energy into feminine energy. And then later on that translated into me being out. I was in the field a lot and on a planes a lot because the field and the practical application of the programming we did in the field in the marketplace had to be translated back to HQ and HQ would make these beautiful programs in the white ivory tower, they'd say, and then they wouldn't work in the field. And so it was like, how do we, how do we cross all that communication over? And so that's, I think, part of the reason I love like managing people and coaching and working with people and eventually hiring thousands and thousands of people for programs was because I could help that translation and that training happen. And that was the practical application or like the transferable skill set I got in corporate America to make me be able to like speak to a huge variety of women from all different backgrounds and corporate women. I have a lot of corporate executives I work with that are just in powerful positions and struggling with you know, the similar things we do in the corporate world and just really being able to translate all that and communicate those, those pieces of the puzzle. Because the thing with, you know, it's like whether it's deliberate cold exposure, whether it's food, whether it's fitness, there's a lot of science and literature and everybody's unique physiology of N equals one thing going on. And so how do you look at that data, simplify it enough so that it's doable and then and communicate that? It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I it, and I'm in this industry, which is predominantly male industry. Deliberate cold exposure is a predominantly male industry, especially if you look at the coaches, like Wim Hof method coaches, predominantly male. Uh, anyone in the corporate wellness, uh, I, I'm very. It's very male. You know, even when you're dealing with venture capitalists and investors and stuff, it's predominantly male. Luckily for me, I was raised by a man, and so my communication tends to be direct, challenging, and this is something that I've learned recently. I've stopped referring to it as masculine-feminine energy because we're not defined by the gender. Yeah. It's challenging, nurturing energy. Yeah, well, so I, I tend to carry a lot of challenging energy, and I realized a couple of years ago that just just because I have a message doesn't mean I don't have to pay attention to the audience receiving that message. There is a great benefit to saying, who is my audience? What do they need to hear? And how can I speak in a language that they understand? And especially now that I am part of, part owner of a fitness company, of a wellness company, and I have employees beneath me, and then I, you know, I have employees, I don't want to say beneath me, I have employees that I have to lead and train and communicate with. And it is a challenge for me to harness some of that nurturing energy. Because a lot of my employees are male, all but two of my employees are male. And I find that they tend to come to me when they want nurturing energy because they associate female with nurturing. Mm -hmm. And then they find that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning that if I need nurturing, I go to my mom, not my boss. Okay, fine. And I benefit from finding that arch, finding that balance between the two, so that my audience is receptive. Yeah. And that helps as a leader in my company. That helps in conversations, whether it be with other women, children, men, whether I'm doing it in a professional setting or a, or a personal setting. 
all of these different things that we've learned, be it corporate, be it childhood or whatever, we can learn to balance those two energies, not only for balance within ourselves, but in order to have our message heard by the audience we're sharing it with. Yeah. That blows my mind. I feel like I could talk about that topic alone for days, for days. Yeah. I started a women's group in January of 2019. We had about eight sessions once a month, eight sessions before we all kind of paired off into our own relationships within the group. And what I found was I needed to start this group because I was looking for a female mentor. I was like, you know, I've got Jason and Tom and they're really fantastic and they challenge me wonderfully and they're men. So they just can't possibly understand me completely. And so I was trying to find this in a woman. Like, where's my woman? Where's my one woman mentor? And if this group taught me anything, it's that she is all around me. She is in each one of these women that I've met. She is in, in the women that I'm meeting in the future, like yourself. All of this mentor energy, all of this guidance energy that I'm looking for in the nurturing aspect is all around me. And I can even sometimes find it in Tom or in Jason. That nurturing energy still belongs there. We all have it. Yeah. I think becoming a plant mom over the last few months has helped me nurture that <laughs> nurture that nurturing energy. That's a good therapeutic practice. <laughs> and I never had any. I always thought I was one of those people like, oh, I can't keep a plant alive. Well, for one, it was the cats. It wasn't me. It was definitely the cats. As I've taken on more and more plants I think I'm up to a little over 35 now but as I've taken on more and more plants I'm like I get it now this is a nurturing energy that I'm putting out into the world and technically they give me nothing back but every afternoon when that sun hits that soil and I smell that fresh dirt or if I'm replanting or repotting and I'm smelling that dirt I've got my hands in it I'm feeling that nurturing energy and so we can find ways to find that balance for our message to be heard for sure. So I think also it's like the way that I it's definitely like I ride this line a lot like I with the in the biohacking world I'm always like oh it's like I love the biohacking bros and then I've said it so much that I'm like what is the thing internalized about me that's like am I threatened by that or do I feel like do I love it or like do I want more why do I want more women around and it's to absolutely what you're saying it's like not about the package and it is about the energy because there's and there's and there's obviously like no one is not better than the other or any combination. Like it's like the combination that a specific unique person brings to the table of that is something that I learned from. Like I think about people who have really challenged me, like the guy that I got my my very best baseline sort of nutrition certificate certification style thing from like Dan Garner is just like I one day I was like, first of all, I suck at asking for help. Cool. Like working on that. But I wrote him one day this like what I thought was such a like a vulnerable email saying, hey, Dan, yo, like I just I need like I want a little more like touch time. And can you like text me and check in? And like I was asking for nurturing energy. Right. And not good at asking for help. And also riding the line of really getting to a level where I can manage and coach other people on nutrition pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. And what he I think recognized he wrote me back like this very simple one-lining one-liner email that will always stick with me and I've absolutely had this with clients that have have gone through several programs with me as he wrote me back and said I was like but you know I need some help I need some this I need some that and he was like Kristen the push you need right now is pushing yourself like he was like rip pull the rip cord right like that's that's important too right like that this like having someone who's like mentoring us of whatever energy and like being able to bring something that 
I don't have to agree with what he's saying. I sort of felt like, oh, it's a tough lesson, but he's right. And I'm like, I know when I have a, a visceral response, like, come on, no, like, I need you to take care of me more. That what he's really trying to, to get me to do is to be like, pull the ripcord. Like, you have to go out and work with these clients now without a ton of consulting and mentorship and whatever. Like, you're ready. You're doing this, like a Miyagi thing, right? <laughs> and so be, that be unafraid of failing forward. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Go and out and crash and burn and learn from your lessons instead of trying to figure out every little thing to prevent any little pos- possible problem moving forward. And just like not making the excuse of like, well, I need this extra thing to do it. It's like if you just don't do it fully on your own at some point. And then like definitely women, females have taught me so many other lessons as well, both in this that challenge category, if we frame it like that, or the nurturing category. So it's like, you know, it's like tough love sometimes, however it gets delivered to you. But it's, I'm so thankful for the people in my, and I'm sure you've had many people like this as well, like Tom and Jason and, and a bunch of these women. It's like, I'm so thankful for the people that have crossed my path or that in many cases I've, I've been seeking them out as well. Mm-hmm. But they have crafted the person that I am and the way that I can work with with women. And the reality is like, yeah, were most of them men in the beginning? Sure, because that was the industry. Mm-hmm. It was like, that was the biohacking world or that was like, the nutrition world when I started it was like Carl Younger and Mark Sisson and Dave Asprey and the, the list goes on and on and and I wouldn't be where I am right now with them right yeah. with their information the knowledge and the research and the time they took to put into these like you know fun nerdy scientific programs physiological yeah. programs yeah so I love that I love that because we don't have we don't have to ignore where we got it I don't have to ignore that I was raised by a man and he was a very challenging, direct, communicative man. And a lot of times I was just mimicking behavior because I saw what got results. Well, we can go out into the world and get different feedback and then make adjustments based on that feedback. And I love a good challenge. I love good challenging energy. It's my favorite. Mm -hmm. When someone says, all right, I can see you're fighting this. Why? What are you afraid of? What's this defense? What's this thing that we need to get to the bottom of? It can come in a lot of different forms. I love what you've said too about recovery, right? So we work out because we know that it helps us feel good. It brings on those feel good chemicals. When we're moving physically, we get great results from that. And there are ways that we have to put that back. Sleep and food is not the only way. What are some of your favorite ways, aside from deliberate cold exposure, but let's talk about that too, to put things back in? If you're talking self-care and fill up, what's that look like for you? So there's so many ways, but the thing that I like vibe really hard on is breath work. Um, You know, I have a meditation practice. I have a cold exposure practice, of course, which is like high up on my list and, you know, you know how I feel about it. Oh, it, encomp- it encompasses <laughs> the meditation, the breath you work, know how the cold. I, it does it all. You know how I like feel about deliberate cold exposure. It's yeah. like, it's it's a thing. It's like wildly life-changing. But um, breath work, to me, I mean, it's the baseline for everything. You know, it's like I tell people if you're like not, if you're eating McDonald's, but you're trying to like work out nine times a week, like th- something's missing. Something needs to be readjusted, right? If it's like, if you're not eating good food at all, and you're eating crap, and then you're like really trying to like, have a great fitness variance program and get all strong. And like it's just like something's wrong in the initial baseline mix of what you're doing. And I think like without breath work, the other things don't stack as well. Mm-hmm. The other thing that really keeps me tightly connected to all the breath work is just the way that you can shift your state. And that builds all the way back to just, I've had moments and experiences in various different types of breath work where it's like really 
having the capacity to shift my state so much that it's actually changing my mindset for how I go into the day. It's changing your nervous system. It's changing your energy and all of that. But just how you like show up in the world and prep yourself for the day, prep your mind for the day. And like, I'm an, I'm an emotional creature. I just was writing someone about this. Like I'm a pretty emotional creature in the world. And I spent a lot of time trying to think about what, like, how can I off gas that emotion or how can I process that in a way that feels like healthiest? And sometimes it's like not pretty cause it's like comes across as intensity sometimes or emotionality sometimes. I'm OK with all that. But it's like I really focusing on this piece of like I am not the combinations. I'm not solely the combination of all my emotional parts or all my emotionality or like my intensity in one moment and my sadness, my happiness. My, I'm not just that helps me a lot and I think breath work helps remind me of how believe it or not easily you can shift your state and that the emotional response to something is something we really need to understand enough to say it's valid it's happening for a reason sometimes it's like I'm pissed off at someone else because what I'm seeing in someone else is something I need to work on in myself Mm, right the age-old mirror that one and so it's like how can I be reflective how can I be intelligent about my decisions how I how can I keep myself you know, like in a calm, easeful, thoughtful state without going too far in one direction or the other. Or how you can sit. Necessary. Yeah, how you can sit with a really intense emotion and yeah. not allow it to take over, but really sit with it and, and reflect on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like breath work, if you were going to ask me sort of like the biggest piece of wh- where all my recovery starts, it's with the breath, like learning how to breathe better, the shifts I've seen in my body from it in the last two years of really, really focusing on it including in how I breathe during fitness. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing free resource. If you like buy a couple of books or even you could just, I'm sure you, you just can just like YouTube Google it. YouTube. Yeah. Everything is so much free resources. You can YouTube so it. You can Google it. There are a lot of people um, I know in Phoenix that host complimentary breathwork sessions. Like yeah. if it's your first time ever, they just want you to give it a try. And I, up until very recently, I had quite an aversion to breathwork. Yeah. I would get, I could drop in, like really drop in. And that would kind of freak me out a little bit, like yeah. seeing the rainbows and feeling the rolling water massage on the body. Like I, I would feel high yeah. and that would make me really uncomfortable because I felt out of control. And that's a thing that I'm currently working on mm-hmm. uh, is, is feeling out of control and feeling in control where those things belong in my life. I did a breathwork session in Sedona with Anahata Ananda at her shaman jellic beautiful space and it was super intense it was one of the first times that I really allowed myself to like go super super deep Mm. and then recently with Satyam Patel who's my voice coach I did a session with him in one of his classes and I dropped into a point where and this might sound a little frou-frou bring it on a little hippy dippy woo woo but I was one with the universe I understood myself, my being as consciousness, and I understood every connection to every human, every animal, every plant, everything. And I could even see it in a way. It was like one of those really deep psychedelic trips, but there was no psychedelics in this trip. And I dropped so far in and I was so connected to everything around me that when I did like finally come to after that final breath hold and I opened my eyes my eyes almost felt like they were too heavy to open like the body felt cumbersome 
And I was like, what the heck? Now I'm back in this silly little body and I'm so much more than that. But now I have this understanding of consciousness, which is allowing me to see a greater picture, not only of my connection to my tribe and the people that I'm meeting and the people that I'll meet in the future, but also the people who are gone and the people who are currently leaving. And I needed that lesson in that moment. This is just like two or three weeks ago. So bad. Yeah. So bad. Breath work. And breath work is something you can do. You don't always have to do the hyperventilative, holotropic. Like you can do it while driving. You can do it laying in bed in the morning before you ever even get out of bed. I'll pet my cat and I just focus on deep breaths. Every pet is a deep inhale. Every pet is a deep inhale. And that is something we have. Like you said, it's free. You can get it anywhere. You can do it at any time. There's nothing in our lives that can't take a beat so that we can take a moment and breathe. And that will recenter you. That will activate your parasympathetic nervous system. That will bring you back to center. Yeah. We all just need a little more oxygen. I love this piece of you too. Like I, you and I are doing a lot of like, I love this, but we do love each other. And also, (laughs) we do. um, I like, you know, my, somehow I've gotten this weird reputation of being like the science friend, which is uh, ironic to me because like I went to performing arts high school. I could like, I had to choose to either ditch math or science. Cause back in the day you kind of could like, y- because you were doing performing arts, it was like a sub. And like, I was like, I, lo- I love math. I'm going to keep math. I had a great math teacher. Uh, shout out to Mr. Pappas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I loved math. And then I was like, I'll ditch science. So like the only science I took, the last science I took was in seventh grade. And then of course in university, I took like theories of light and sound or whatever was like pretty easy to pass. And so now I've kind of, I've had to go back and get certifications in human anatomy and like, just like uh, find other ways, right. Rather than going back to school, like formal university to understand the human body, to understand how to read research, which I'm still terrible at. I have to ask people and look at all the summaries and go to go to the the experts who I am dragging my feet through the polyvagal nerve theory (laughs) yeah Yeah. so but there's great people out there that do the translations that Mm -hmm. also are really helpful and you just start to figure out who they are and connect the dots and little by little learn and like get mentors or whatever but it's it's I love that there's a slight difference in us but I always look to some of the things that you do which are more like soulful I would say then because I taught yoga and I taught breathing and yoga and that was a whole different experience for me and recently someone said to me hey we want you to come breathe with our crew and lead some classes and stuff like send us this the video of what you're doing lately and I sent them over a video and it's like just very vulnerably I was like they're like wow you got really coachy and I was like oh Ah. like number one that's kind of cool for me to hear yeah they thought it was delivered to me very softly like maybe I would have a weird reaction to it but it was beautiful for me to hear because I used to be so much more of the yogic realm. I always felt yogic when I did that. And now I feel like, okay, maybe I've overcourse corrected. And it's also like hard to put your phone in front of you and be like, let me coach you. Like it feels coachy. Yeah. But it was like a wonderful, wonderful piece of feedback because it made me realize, okay, how do I continue to walk that line better? And as I'm doing like little audio recordings of breath and stuff, but it's like, there is that component that is like, it's, you can say it's like, I felt one with the universe and it's like, that's, I'm in it like I get it I I think it's like I I may be the science friend but I'm also the science friend that like sat at Scott Schwank's ecstatic breathwork thing that was an hour long in I don't know Palm Springs or something a few years back 
And when we were done, I got, I stood up and we were, we all had these beautiful like pillow layouts. This is like obviously before COVID, but we had these beautiful like nine pillows under us and it was like super juicy, delicious breath work. Mm-hmm. And at the end I stood up and I like moved all the pillows cause I was sure that he had like strategically placed electrodes under the pillows that were like zapping me during the <laughs> entire thing. And it was like, oh, that was like the first moment that I was like, oh shit breath work it's like there's some there's it's some mojo surreal. in there like there's some mojo in there and so it's like for anyone who's listening who's like i don't know it's like th- it doesn't always have to be that experience sometimes it's just like five minutes breathing change my mind five minutes breathe myself into a state that i can have a difficult conversation with my boss or my friend or conflict or whatever five minutes to down regulate but sometimes you take a really a longer period of time to experience something deeper to get yourself into another place if you will right mm-hmm. it's not it's another state of mind yeah it's another state of mind yeah. another state of being and it's a beautiful way to release you know mm-hmm. and it's like and you can do it all with zero you're not drinking taking drugs doing anything but you have the way you're oxygenating your system the way your ph is shifting the way things are moving through your body or maybe just maybe you're like de-stressing so much that you actually can open up and that's it's killer like it's just it's a thing that everyone who's listening to this should be trying even if it's just their own their own version of it, right? Breath work can be a cathartic release. Yeah. This is another thing that I've learned and I and I realized my aversion to breath work was because I used to be one of those people that could get into an emotionally dysregulated state that could sometimes last for several hours. And within those several hours, I can't stop crying. I can't move. I can't change it. I feel lost. I feel slippery. I feel all of these things that I have no control over and it makes me feel really bad to sit in that state for several hours but I didn't know the tools to change it deliberate cold exposure was my first tool to change that and now I'm learning my aversion to breath work was one I was afraid of losing control two I was afraid that if I did lose control or if I did get into that cathartic release and I started sobbing then I may not have control to get out of that And then three, it was like, well, I don't really need it. And now I'm realizing there are so many times that my habit, my lifelong, almost 40-year habit is to hold my breath. And if we can recognize that and instead flip it, let's go ahead and flip that switch. And instead of holding the breath, focus on deep, long inhale breathing, all of a sudden I have yet another tool in my belt for emotional regulation. Yeah. So like you said, you know, those times when you're like, you know, you want a little bit of help with those really strong emotions. And, you know, every therapist I've ever had has said, take a deep breath, take 10 deep breaths. And I and you don't love. You wanna, but don't you want to shoot people when you they're like, take a breath? One. Yes, 100 percent. 100 percent. It's breathe. just as it's much like, as no. Like, why don't you <laughs> calm down? Why don't you find a stick to shove somewhere? I'm not kidding. This is how I used to feel. And now I'm like, oh. And then I've only developed a meditative practice over the last, how long has COVID lasted? (laughs) That many months. And I'm like, oh, so this is what people mean when they talk about meditating. This is that deeper level of calm. Like, I feel like I keep finding these new tools and techniques to find a deeper level of calm and tools and techniques that I can use anytime, anywhere. Totally. You can't always jump in an ice bath. That's why it's important for us to have a whole tool belt full of these options for ourselves right yeah so breath work i was anti now now i'm singing its praises <laughs> Dude, for sure. i was like a definitely practical application with my clients is like people are like i'm having a crazy sugar craving what do i do or you Take know it sounds, it sounds silly but people are like I, I, all i want is pizza 
what's happening I, I just I'll, it's like five minutes of breathing and it's like you can shift your physiological state and your cravings and your everything like there are other, right there are other ways you know you can kind of work on that but why not do the easy one I, I just I'm like I challenge anyone to just like okay I want the thing and before you go to reach for the thing because we are an instant gratification society let's like let's this is why I love your sticker on your water bottle <laughs> that says the struggle is fake it's like you know there's a thing it's like we need to be able to understand how to sit in the discomfort Pema Chodron always talks about this in like meditation but like sitting with the discomfort like that's this is what we train for that's and also beauty Emily Emily Fletcher who's like my my Ziva meditation she's sort of she's a friend and she's like the woman I learned how to meditate that actually got me to stick to meditating she's always like we don't meditate to get good at meditation guys we get med- we get, get, we meditate to get good at life and oh, like that's I love that. that's the thing and i feel similarly about i don't work out to get good at working out like c- will i continue to get better yes but i i work out because it's like i'm training for the biggest workout which is <laughs> life and i'll be better at it right this is what we train for so i think it's like it's just it's cool to have all these practices around recovery it's cool to be able to sort of get yourself to go to the place that may be a different place for you because then you're going to be so much more equipped when those things show up unexpectedly in life as they do and you can handle it. I like what you said there about breath instead of when when you're going through a craving and I didn't even realize this when I was 19 years old and I quit smoking cigarettes I would still take my 10-15 minute breaks and instead I would just do 10 to 15 minutes worth of deep breathing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still taking the break because that's the biggest thing you miss when you stop smoking cigarettes. It's like, well, I don't get any breaks anymore. Yeah. And I was a bartender. And yeah. so it's like, this is the worst. And yeah. people were smoking inside at that time. Yeah. So I was faced with it constantly. But if you have a craving, whatever that's for sugar, a bad relationship, a cigarette, alcohol, drugs, if you have that craving, and you choose to breathe through that craving, cravings last 10 to 15 minutes. Choose to breathe through that craving, and what you're doing is you're replacing the craving with an actual tool helped and designed to get you through it. And then when you've developed that tool of proper breathing and of breath as a a fill-up, as a self-care, then instead of reaching for the Twinkies or instead of reaching for the bad relationship or instead of reaching for mind-numbing TV, you can say, I have this tool. It makes me better. It makes me feel better. And I can still live my life. Like what a beautiful thing to replace a craving with breath. Who would have thought that it could be so simple because we can't have an ice bath everywhere we go. I promise I'm working on it. I know you are (laughs) working real hard to put an ice bath in everywhere you go, including me. I'm working real hard trying to find a way to have that travel chiller unit. So when I travel and when we all travel, we can still get our eyes. Yeah. And that works for you, too. Yeah. And once you nail the breath, the best thing about it is then when you get in the ice, the cold shower, the anything that and like the sauna even. Right. Like when mm-hmm. you get into any of that contrast therapy world, you've already mastered a key component, which is like I can shift my state so I can manage what's happening around me. And that's like. Those two things together are like second to none, right? I mean, the breath with everything, but just when I think when, you know, it's you do this too. You like put people in the ice for the first time. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm coaching breath and exposure at Deuce Gym in Venice and I'm loving it because there's so many new people experiencing it. And then correlating it, I work with a woman named Kimmy Moss and she like co- does a really good job. We correlate it to the performance fitness experience. Love it. And so it's like, how do you do contrast therapy and breathing that's going to you know, shift the way that you're working out or just be able to 
challenge yourself or prepare yourself Mm -hmm. right for what's to come Mm -hmm. so i really yeah it's like that first experience of ice of heat of performance breathing when you're having to do fitness and you're like damn i just taped my mouth shut for a workout what happens now it's like getting yourself out of like that the monkey mind place yeah you know the monkey mind piece and just using breath to like lean into that so that's so true for the ice I imagine a lot of people who listen to this podcast go put themselves into some kind of cold exposure. But if you haven't yet, it's just like it's it's something you must do, right? It's something anybody can do it. Yeah. I, I and especially now that I'm teaching coaches. So now I'm certifying coaches and I'm and I'm hearing like, well, how do I force someone to do this that doesn't want to do it? A, you don't. <laughs> okay, well, well, all right, if it's my first time, then I definitely don't want to do two, two full minutes, right? Because I have to build up to that. No, no, you do two minutes. You do two minutes every time. No matter what, you do two minutes. Yeah. Come hell or high water, you do two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes, optimal. Get there. You can do it. And some of the some of the things that I think people pose as challenges are actually reasons why they should move forward. And I hear this from clients and coaches alike. Well, you know, I'm a little tired today. I'm on my period. I'm feeling a little achy, a little crampy, a little uncomfortable. So I really don't have it in me. Well, let's put it back in you. This is how we put it back in you. Sit in the ice. Yeah. And now people laugh at me because they say, well, Adrian, that's your answer for everything. If I came to you with a broken arm, you'd say, read Louise Hay, throw some coconut oil on it and take an ice bath. Yeah. I mean, it's the answer to a lot of stuff. It and really I had is. No, like, not I had no idea, but I like the, the, my early, early exposure to cold therapy was at like the K-Town spas in New York City or in L.A. or wherever I was traveling because it's like that's the in one other I couldn't find it in every market, of course, but wherever I, I go or I've traveled in the world, I know there's like a Korean spa or a Russian Turkish spa, bathhouse something. Well, not that kind of bathhouse, but you know what I mean. A bath. <laughs> you grew up in New York City, you can't say the word bathhouse right. and then have it just fall easily. <laughs> no, but you can say that in other places and that's really what it means. <laughs> yeah. So like those those containers where I could go and do cold exposure, like sort of not really knowing what I would should be doing or could do, I think. Mm-hmm. It was like, let me get in this and tolerate it as long as I can and then just like you know cutely be like oh my god I have to get out you know or something but like I felt benefits it's just I didn't really know how to manage it I didn't know how to manage the breath I knew I loved it but I also it's like you love it you hate it and now it's like I cannot imagine my life without like deliberate cold exposure is the thing do you ever stand in front of an ice bath though and still hesitate yeah like the first one I took in quarantine I was like oh and I got in I also want to say there's no good and bad right but like Mm -hmm. I got in it and was like damn I can feel number one I'm like a slightly deconditioned from being in it because you do acclimatize Mm -hmm. but I could really feel that like I had such a general low level of stress from like not knowing what was going on in the world or what was coming next or just that you don't know what's going to be plausible for the next day or work or life or you know anything I think that 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 level of stress was affecting me just chipping away at me so much that when I got in the ice, I was like, Oh damn, like I'm, I'm already stressed. Right. And so that's like, I get in that first day and I'm like definitely doing less time than I normally would do. Definitely. Like I usually I'll do two rounds and I was like, ah, one round less time than I normally do. This is sufficient. And I think that's one thing that people need to understand, right? There's two different, there's a multitude of type of people who get in the ice, but like, I think you have a two schools of thought. Sometimes people are like, I'm going to go hard. It's like when people I've done a lot of like NAD drips, which is just, you know, like it's a slow drip game. It can, you can feel, it can feel intense in your body. And there are definitely people that are like trying to 
race each other, like pushing NAD fast, which actually can have a negative effect. And that's like an odd example, but it's like, I liken that to the ice bath. It's like, there is like a minimum effective dose. Like if you're, if you're like, want to try to do a 10 minute 40 degree ice bath cool like great if that's a thing but like you don't need to do that every single day to be like the hard ass that gets that done because like at some point it's diminishing returns Mm -hmm. and so you know for me it's just like really interesting to see how stress my general level of stress or concern or emotionality or that time of the month like Mm -hmm. for women your cycle your hormones all that affects the ice bath and it's always different every time and there are definitely moments that I'm like Okay, like when I did the 34 days straight, there were days that I was like, the only reason I'm getting in the ice bath is because I said I would. It's because I said I would and I have to do a damn accountability post on social. And if I don't do it and I'm on day 24, there's enough people looking, watching and knowing I committed to this. And I just didn't, I committed to that and seven other, like seven things a day, including an ice bath. So some days it was like, oh, the ice bath, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because I have to. And I said I would. And then some days it would be other things. But you know what was like glorious is I did those 34 days of all those seven things and I got to the end and I was like, I found my line. I found like where failure was. I found num- like how many ice baths or how much meditation or what worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I also, as I course corrected a few of those things within the 30 days after that personal challenge, I was, I was like healthy. Like I was beyond, I was like energetic, mind on fire super healthy yeah he it dialed in shredded is in the biggest way i could ever been and now it's like there is always like it, it up leveled my whole game a bit and then i also know like quarantine i got a little bit like wishy-washy like mm, we're all just locked in the house and then but i now i know where to go back to yeah. right in that cycle and now i know how to coach people better and now i saw what happened with my hormones at my specific age and i have a better gauge on how to advise other women and that mm-hmm. challenge is what the challenge i do now with women once or twice a year in a group that's like where that was born out of that's what my course that's coming online is born out of so that's really you know and the ice is the the ice is the thing too right people are like what's going on on that instagram handle why is that crazy why person on earth would you sit in a bath of ice and and there are family members even that ask me and they've seen me go through the whole gamut of healing my health and healing my body and getting well again and they still question why would do this and I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I look back at the last three years and I'm like, are you kidding? Like, yeah. it has made me who I am today. It is something I will not live at, live without for the rest of my life. I'll be 90 and you better believe I'll be taking ice baths. Yeah. And, and I've heard your story, like, and I've seen you. I haven't known you this whole time, of course, but like, I've just heard your story, seen how you're coaching other people, how th- the transitions that happen. And it's like, I get that it part of it seems like it's ridiculous. I sat in a really cold ice bath and like those things are going to happen, but just from a cellular function standpoint and I don't, I'm never knocking like a cold shower or cryotherapy, like whatever way you can get your hands on it. But the science, the research, all of it behind cold exposure is just, it's insane. You and I hate to make claims because we're like, we're not a medical professional. Yeah. I'm not like, a doctor, but I'll take a look. Anecdotally, um, you know, and we can research, we can forever be scientists in research. Mm-hmm. And the greatest research that we do is on ourselves. My great, I am my greatest test subject. I'm not going to tell you to do something I myself won't do. If I had this experience, I'm not saying you have to do this to get this. I'm saying this is what worked for me. And I want you to understand what worked for me so that if you want to try it, you can try it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And that's okay. All of that has to be okay. We will find our own path. My answer for everything is, is the ice. 
My answer for really just about everything is the cold, (laughs) unless you're actively running a fever. And even then, how high is your fever? Because there's a benefit to that as well. And I do find, and all the plunges I've coached, and I'm, I'm in the thousands by now, I don't know how many, but in all the plunges I've coached, only two people have ever said they would never do it again. And both of those people said they felt great afterward. It was just something they could cross off their bucket list and they didn't have to try again. So my my biggest argument is what could it hurt? Try it. What could it hurt? Even if you don't do the two minutes, go all the way in, get all the way up to the neck and then step all the way out. Just get familiar with what that sensation feels like. And it's not pain. I love it when people are like, oh, my God, it's so painful. No, it's not. It's discomfort. It's tingling. It might be cramping. That's not pain. You want to see pain? I'll show you two, you know, two metal plates and six pins in an arm. That's pain. That's there's pain and there's discomfort. And we have to stop forever saying, well, I'm doing this so that one day I can have this. And I'm working real hard today. So one day it can be like this. Do it for today. Yeah. Do it for right now. What if tomorrow never comes? Let's find a way to do the thing for today so we feel good today. And if we find a way to do that throughout all our little moments in the day, tomorrow will take care of itself. Yeah. Mentally, physically, emotionally. What can I do right now? The other thing I love is what what possible thing can you do for two minutes that gives you that full reset? Nothing. <laughs> I'm like, can you can you get to an orgasm that no, quick? No, That's I, I was know. like, you know, it can be fun, fun ride for two minutes. Mind, but, but I was like, yeah. could I do that with sex? I don't know. Could you do it in two minutes though? I, you I mean, you want can do to. It with I sex, think there's like, like a yeah. good there's like a good threshold of sex that you're like need to be like working up to it as a woman to get like the best physiological benefit. You know, this Men, is are a, hearing that. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good segue because I have a question for you. This is something I noticed, and it's and it's kind of people think it's kind of taboo to talk about, and I'm starting to say forget the taboo let's talk one of the things that i noticed when i first started taking ice baths was my sex drive went through the roof i love that you're saying this because i have clients conservative and way less conservative and a couple times the conversation has come up where i'm like this is a libido booster like i'm not saying there's 400 articles on it but like there There should be there definitely is like a thing about that for sure it's also like sure there's cellularly like it deserves a bit more um you know R and D, I think, but like cellularly, cer- sh- certainly there's something. But there's it's blood flow. There, there's also this wonderful thing about like I feel like I can do anything. That confidence piece of getting in the ice and getting out and being successful and the oxytocin release that you have this whole parasympathetic rebound, right? And what is parasympathetic mode for us? It's like socialization, sex, love, oxytocin, everything. serotonin. Yeah. So it's that part of the nervous system. So it makes total sense. And maybe you've just been like. I don't say pent up like someone needs to go out and get a little action, but maybe you've been stressed and work's been hard and like you haven't really had a chance to have a good, apart from like going to bed, falling asleep in one minute, passing out, waking up, doing the grind over again. Maybe you haven't had a moment to just release, let go, Mm -hmm. like get out of the ice and think, okay, wow, I'm actually calmer now. I'm actually in parasympathetic state. I actually feel like, oh, I'm horny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's it's, a, we should let's write a blog on it or something together. Oh, well, let's do a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to that. Because what I think is funny is so when I first started ice baths, 50 pounds overweight and had Hashimoto's thyroid, two things that are guaranteed to shut down a sex drive. Yeah. Plus, I was in my mid 30s. And so it's like this is about that age where it's like, all right, well, you decided not to make babies. So guess what? We're going to take away all the fun stuff from your body. And it wasn't just me. But we didn't talk about it right away. So I was doing these ice baths with my husband, Jason. We talked about it right away, of course. And then our now business partner, Tom, he did not talk to us about it right away. But the three of us all within our, you know, when at the first it was only like once a month, ice baths, we were noticing vast increases in our libido. And one of the things that Tom says that this is a result of is the ways that you're promoting circulation within the body. So it's a blood flow thing. You know, for men to keep an erection, for women to be able to orgasm, it's a blood flow thing. So if you're getting in the ice and your body's getting this circulatory workout, this vascular workout, obviously your blood's going to be flowing. So it isn't just – it isn't – it isn't just all the super feel good chemicals that run through your brain, which are also going to happen. It's also that rush of blood flow, everything going yeah. to your core, then everything going back into all your extremities. And you're going, whoa, it's like that post ice bath warm up blood flow rush. And then it's like, well, I know what I could do with all this extra energy. Yeah. What are you up to? Totally. Hey, Jason, what do you got going on? <laughs> That's and the good so, thing about having your husband doing this stuff too. It's nice. Yeah. But it's like you, if you layer nasal breathing in that, then you have this nitric oxide piece, right? And that's like vasodilation. And not, Amy Killen does a great job of talking about just God, like I how, love her. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome. She's awesome. She's been in my ice bath in my backyard. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, she's rocking. But she like she does a great. First of all, like follow her on social because she busts out all of the fabulous toys and devices that are like all around. Sexual she will health. talk about the taboo. Yeah, I, yeah, love, I love, it. love it. And then also she just you know she does a good job of really um like pushing that piece about nitric oxide like i you know she says sex is her superpower and it's because she's helping so many people with dysfunction in various different ways but um yeah like that nitric oxide piece i think is really you know it's like it's a it's a game changer it's like why when you look at when you look into the physiology behind it it's like why people are dealing with ed and why people are dealing with like lower blood flow so it makes total sense i think so as well and one of and should I, start some experiments. I, you know, I'm just saying, <laughs> like you guys, whoever's listening, I've been experimenting for the last three years. I enjoy. I hope you guys jump on that bandwagon. One of the greatest feedbacks that I get from our customers, the ones who purchase a forge, and maybe they are they've only ever done cold showers. This is really common for people who buy a forge. They've only ever done cold showers, and so they get into this ice bath, and it's a complete game changer. And I now have. Five different male customers between the ages of like 50 and 70 who call me on the reg and tell me, I'm like, why are you telling me? But it's probably easier for them to tell me, Adrian, why aren't you guys talking about the libido? Why aren't you talking about the way it can change your sexual health? And I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. Tom, will you please write an article for men on this change? Because sure. I'm definitely not, I'm I'm not the authority when it comes to men. But what I can say is when it comes to women, this will be a game changer. Whether you've whether you're nowhere near menopause, perimenopause, in menopause, postmenopause, this is a game changer. Yeah. This will light you up. Well, no, it's the number one thing people write me about on DM mm-hmm. in Insta, sometimes Facebook. Mm-hmm. It like which is 
to me means like they don't want to post it in a comment, right? They right. want to like get advices like they write about women will write me about various different sexual health topics. A lot of it is like pelvic floor issues after having kids and stuff. And I have good answers for that too. But I think like the ice bath is a big piece of, you know, what I talk about, even if it's like, you know, people in places all over the world that don't have access to one, it's like, well, try some cold showers and there's some other things you can do, but that's the biggest thing. And it's like, again, something that's important to talk about. And you can always dunk your face in a bowl of ice water. Yeah. That's a game changer. Well, there's like even an ocean right out your backyard. Yeah. Or you live for in some Finland people, and there's a running cold river six yeah. months a year. Yeah. And you know what? And if you've never done it, I highly encourage you find a way to fill a tub with 200 pounds of ice and just see what you're made of. Even if you only ever do it once, just give it a try. Yeah. And I do want, I want to hear more people talk about that, the sexual health, because having sexual health in our lives is part of the balance of us having an overall health, overall mental, emotional, physical connection to others, feeling part of things, feeling part of ourselves. This is all part of that picture. Yeah. So I do want people to start talking about it. And so I welcome you guys to reach out. If you have questions, if it's, even if it's in private, ask me, ask Kristen. You know, what's our experience? What's your experience? Let's find a way to talk about these things yeah. because it's not taboo. It's part of our bodies. It's part of our health. It's part of our connection to others. And ourselves mm -hmm. in some cases. Yeah. Right? And 100% to ourselves. Recently and was like, I don't, you don't have to have it with someone else. Yeah. Like, it's fine. I'm just like, figure some new things out for yourself for like sexual well-being and, you know, Yeah, self -care. because if you don't know what you like, <laughs> you're never going to be able to explain it to somebody else. Yeah, for reals. Yeah. And that might change over the years, people. Like I said, I'm pushing 40 here. Sometimes shit changes. Let's have that conversation too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful conversation today. Yeah. Will you share with our listeners where they can find you if they want to do a Kristen challenge, a warrior woman challenge? Yeah, they can find me at Instagram at warrior woman mode. Lots of things run through there. So you'll see all my stuff. And that's where all my crazy ice bath stuff is, photos and whatnot. But um, warriorwomanmode.com. My podcast is the Wellpower Podcast, which is a bit of a lean into the biohacking roadmap for people who are interested in sort of that word biohacking, which encompasses so much of health and wellness. Um, and then, yeah, and then I'm uh, also launching a course in the next 30 days that I call Wow Factor. That is an online course. Women optimizing wellness is what Wow stands for. And um, it's a it's a eight week drip course that gives people just drip, drip meaning you get a module every week that is talking about a different aspect of well-being and health as women in the world so we can be more powerful so i we love can become that. warriors wow yeah i love it wow yeah that's outstanding Kristen. thank you for joining me today and i'm excited to see all of the things rolling out and that are coming up for you next and i look forward to continuing our friendship as we go through this journey together yeah i'm stoked to have been here and uh yeah here's to us we're about to go into an ice bath people so we gotta go heck yeah we gotta do that thank you for taking the time to come along this journey of exploration with us today you can follow us to learn more at www.moroscoforge.com, where we publish journal articles on all of your favorite deliberate cold exposure questions. You can also find us on Instagram at Forge, and you can hear new episodes of the Morotsko Method everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, when you can learn to master your breath through the cold, you can learn to master your mind through your life.